If you have your Bibles today, and I hope you do, let's continue our study in Daniel, and let's open our Bibles to Daniel, the sixth chapter. Daniel, the sixth chapter, and we'll begin reading here in a few minutes. Now, I want to start off like I have been doing here in in weeks past, and I was surprised when I preached this morning at Rockwood that I did get one person to answer this question, but has any of y'all ever ran a marathon in your life? No one here? Well, I want to tell you this about a marathon. Now, if you know anything about a marathon, you know it's 26.2 miles. Folks, I can't walk 26.2 miles, much less take up time to run that far. But anyway, speaking of marathons, how many of y'all have ever heard about Heartbreak Hill? Have you heard of Heartbreak Hill? You know what Heartbreak Hill is? You don't know what Heartbreak Hill is? Heartbreak Hill is in the Boston Marathon. When you run in the Boston Marathon, Heartbreak Hill is at mile 20. And everybody does really well and cruises through that first 20 miles until they get to what is called Heartbreak Hill. And that is where they know, because it is the last incline that they have to go up before they finish the race. And they know that that's where they're going to be tested. If you can make it up Heartbreak Hill, there at mile 20, you pretty well are going to be able to finish the course. But the reason I tell you about marathons and Heartbreak Hill is this. Just like those runners in the Boston Marathon, we as Christians should expect that there will be at some point, at some time in our lives, opposition that will test us. It, it may be our endurance. It may be our perseverance. It may be our principles and some other things that I could name. And I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way or not, but it takes courage to be a Christian in this world we live in today. It takes courage. So today we're going to be using Daniel chapter 6, and we're going to be talking about being courageous as we live the Christian life. So the first question of serious that I need to ask you is, do you consider yourself to be courageous? Do you consider yourself to be courageous? Now, when we start in the sixth chapter of the book of Daniel, we know that King Belshazzar has been placed by King Darius the Mede. We also know up to this point in Daniel's captivity there in Babylon, and he's been there for a long time, he was made advisor to the king. If you recollect, as we started our study in the book of Daniel, Daniel was the only advisor to the king that was able to interpret King Nebuchadnezzar's dream and tell him what his dream was and what it meant. 
And if you remember last week, we, we saw how uh, he was advisor to, to King Belshazzar, and there was handwriting on the wall, and Daniel was the only one that was able to interpret that handwriting on the wall. So now, what's going on, and what we're going to see today is this. Because of God's given ability to Daniel, the gift that God has given him to interpret this stuff, the other advisors to the king become jealous. And they want to do harm to Daniel. So let's pick up the story in the sixth chapter of Daniel. Y'all found that? All right, let's look in verse 6. Then these presidents or overseers and princesses assembled together to the king or stormed in to the king and said thus unto the king, Darius, live forever. All the presidents, overseers, and the kingdom uh, of the kingdom and the governors or the administrators and the princesses, the counselors, and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition or make a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee or except thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish this decree and sign the writing that it be not changed or cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing with the decree or signed the written decree. Let me visit with you simply today about courageous, about courageous. Now, in hopes of playing on the pride of King Darius, these jealous administrators proposed a new law that for 30 days, Everyone in the kingdom was to bow down and worship King Darius and no one else. Now, they knew, these, these guys that wanted to do harm to Daniel, they knew how devoted, how dedicated Daniel was to his God, the God of Israel, and how Daniel prayed to his God each and every day. So this proposal was that anyone who broke that decree would be thrown into the lion's den. They had their plan in place. So that brings me up to my first point. And my first point is, and probably you know someone like this, some people just like to pick a fight. Have you ever been around someone like that? They're just looking for the opportunity to start a fight. It's like they get this adrenaline rush if they can get a confrontation started. And somebody will stand up to them, and boy, they get riled up, and they start trying to rile somebody up until finally they got a fight started. And boy, they just love it. That's, that's their goal. That's what they want to do. Well, we see that in our society all the time. And a matter of fact, we also see it in Christians. But the thing is, it's good for us as Christians to witness and be witnesses of, of Jesus Christ and, and to stand up for biblical principles, biblical standards. But we should make sure that we're not doing it 
in a contention spirit, trying to stir someone up into conflict. David didn't do that, David. Daniel didn't do that. Now, Daniel knew what was going on with this new decree. He knew what the new law was, that it had been put into practice. And he also knew that he wouldn't have to go looking for trouble. Trouble would come and find him on its own, just as it is done for the past 80 years. Do you realize by this point in the book of Daniel that he's already 80 years old? That he has been in Babylon for six decades. That's 60 years. Now think about that. Now in that time, that 80 years, he has lived his life in hostile territory, hostile culture. And he had experienced time and time again, there was no need for him to go out and look for opposition that it would find him. And all he needed to do was live faithfully. That's all he had to do. Knowing that that point in time would come, that moment would come when his quiet faithfulness would encounter some conflict from the cultural norms. And that's what we see in our little story today. So as a Christian, it should be our goal that we pursue peace. Not only should we pursue peace, but we should also pursue holiness. We shouldn't be going out trying to start conflict. We shouldn't be looking for argument. Instead, we should just simply live confidentially and faithfully in what God required of his people. So as, as a Christian, we should pursue peace and holiness. And I'm going to show you why that's important. That's the reason why it should be our goal. We should pursue godliness and at the same time seek peace until we can't anymore. Put you a bookmark in Daniel 6 and turn to the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Turn to Hebrews, the 12th chapter. And by the way, when you get there, you might want to put a bookmark in Hebrews because after we, we're going to come back to Daniel, we're going to go back to Hebrews again. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, I want you to look in verse 14. Y'all got it? Amen? Amen. Amen? Hebrews 12, verse 14. This is the reason why we as Christians should pursue peace and holiness. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. You see why it's so important? How much plainer do you need it? All right, go back to Daniel. I want you to look in verse 10. Daniel 6, verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day, or that day, and prayed, 
and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime, or as he had been doing before this. Now, I'm going to kind of be boogieing on through this, folks, or it's going to get too long. So, so just uh, get to the scripture as quick as you can. So Daniel knows what the new law is. Daniel knows what this public order is. And, and, and that, that, that the king had decreed. But what did Daniel do? He did what he always did. And we just saw it in verse 10, Roy. What did he do? He started praying. He started praying to God. You know, as I told you earlier, Daniel was around 20 years old when he was taken captive into Babylon. He had been in the administration of three different kings now. Three different kings. He's under his third one. And, and, and this is Darius now that's, that's come into power. And Daniel probably was around 80 years old at this time. Now, that means that he had lived six decades in Babylon. And if you go to the, the coffee shop every day at 10 o'clock, every day, it's not too hard for us to know where you're going to be at 10 o'clock in the morning every day, is it? If you did that for 60 years, hey, Gerald, where's Ann? 10 o'clock, she's at the coffee shop. Okay, now, what's the big deal here? Why, why are you making this point? What I want you to see is this. Since, since Daniel has been there for 60 years, that has given him a lot of time to get a rhythm established, to get in a rut, so to speak. Now, so... Daniel had been doing the same thing. Three times a day, he prays. He bowed, facing his homeland, he gave thanks to God. That's how the administrators found him when they went looking for him. In prayer to his God. How did they know how to catch Daniel? Because he did the same thing every day at the same time. It's not too hard to figure out. His, his routine was well established. It was unbreakable. And they knew exactly where to find him. But something that that tells me is this. The discipline that Daniel had developed gives us a very powerful example. Now, where did Daniel's disciplined life come from? Commitment. Commitment and consistency. That was the two ingredients that Daniel had put into his life to accomplish his discipline. Now, when I say that, no matter what you're training for, it, it, it doesn't matter if you're trying to lose weight, or if you're trying to save money, whatever you're training for, that training is going to be full of starts and stops, of moving two steps forward and going three steps backwards. It's just the way it works. It's part of discipline. 
But the commitment that Daniel exhibited wasn't just to prayer. It wasn't just to Bible study. It wasn't to memorizing verses, scripture, but to make these things essential components to his daily life. What does that tell us? How relevant is that for us today? That we need to be spending time in prayer. That we need to be studying the scriptures. That we need to be memorizing scripture. Why? So when we find ourselves in that position of confrontation, we have got the answer we're looking for. The scripture that we need. So that's where it came from. So there's another word that we need to put in here, and that word is faith. We have to have faith to live a disciplined life. That's because no disciplined life is fun when we're trying to do it to ourselves. Have you ever tried to lose weight? It's not easy. And if you really are serious about it, you have to be, to some degree, disciplined. Be able not to eat so much, to leave that sweet dessert alone, you know, things like that, you know. So, so it's just not pleasant, but we have to believe, we have to have faith that what we're doing is going to be good for us, not only now, but somewhere in the future. It's going to be beneficial. So Daniel trained himself, become disciplined in his prayer life, and because he did, he was preparing himself. In other words, he was getting ready for, to face the opposition that he knew was coming, simply because he lived faithfully. Today we would say it like this, Daniel was prayed up. That's how we would say it. He was prayed up. In other words, he, he, no, let's just ask it this way. Do you participate in spiritual training? Do you pray every day? Do you study your Bible every day? That's discipline. That's what it takes to be prayed up. So, you know, that's training yourself for godliness. Maybe it's time. If you don't have those practices in place, maybe it's time that we start doing some spiritual training. Just as in Daniel's case, to prepare for the opposition that's coming. Then we too will be prayed up just like Daniel was. Daniel was prayed up for what was going to happen next. All right, let's read some more and see what's going to happen to it. Look in verse 11. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within 30 days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, This thing is true. According to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not or cannot be changed. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, 
Notice how they refer to him. That Daniel, which is of the children of captivity, that is literally sons of captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king. In other words, they're saying, king, he doesn't regard you. Nor the decree which thou hast signed. He don't like that part either. He has no regard for that. But maketh his petition three times a day. Now, when the men found Daniel, what was Daniel doing? Daniel was praying. He was exactly where he always was, doing exactly what he always did. And so they knew exactly where to find him. It was time to, to find him because he was praising God is what he was doing. They weren't surprised to find him there. He wasn't surprised when they found him there. And, and, and here's the thing. He wasn't unaware of this public order. But you also notice that it doesn't tell us that he tried to run, nor does it tell us that he tried to justify his actions. Because of his faithful living, he was willing to suffer whatever consequences came his day. Wait, it didn't bother him one bit. He didn't get excited about anything. So, we have every indication that Daniel, remember I told you he was prayed up, he was fully prepared to accept whatever was going to happen. Now let me ask you a question here. Do you live such a life of faithfulness that no matter what happens to you, you have peace about it? Now you think about that. He's not concerned. That's devotion, folks. All through the book of Daniel, over and over and over again, we see that Daniel had true understanding and respect for authority. You remember back in chapter 1, he went and he talked to the captain of the eunuchs and asked permission. In chapter 2, Daniel responded with tact. And with discretion. Now in this chapter, we see that Daniel distinguishes himself above the other king's advisors because of what? He had an extraordinary spirit. Even though Daniel was in a land as a captive, in a land that was not his own, he conducted himself with dignity, he conducted himself with respect, and he conducted himself with integrity. And he never wavered, not one little bit. Because of that, what did that do? That helped Daniel move up the chain of command. That's how he got in the position of importance in this foreign land. And even while he was doing it, he always maintained his faithfulness to God. Never doubted whatsoever. Daniel knew that even though he might not agree with, with the beliefs of the authorities or the principles of the Babylonian culture, he was still under their authority. Now listen to me. You need to get this. In our culture today, just like Daniel... 
We are living in a land that's not our own. Why do I say that? This land is not our home. We're just passing through. You with me? Amen? Amen. And many times, many times, we're going to disagree with the principles of those in authority over us. Am I right? Lord, I hope y'all would say amen. Goodness gracious sakes alive. If y'all didn't get that, we was fixing to have to go out back and have a little confrontation. But we don't like that. And and I'm in the same way. But listen to me. But just like Daniel, we have the opportunity, we have the obligation to submit to those in authority. Not because we agree with them, not because we think like them, but because we believe that authority ultimately rests with God and God is the authority that we need to be concerned about. Amen? Amen. Now, here comes the controversy. You thought we were through, but we're not. Here comes the controversy. We see in this chapter that Daniel respected authority of the land to a point. But when it started contradicting God's law, He wavered. In other words, he respected this degree to the point, but then when it got in his way with his relationship with God, that's where it came to an end. He said, I can't do this. I won't do this. You see, he wouldn't bend. So these administrators hatched their plan, and they thought they had the perfect plan in place, and it worked just like they hoped. Daniel had broken this public order, but he had only done so, why? Because it directly contradicted with the higher law of God. Folks, get this. If you get nothing else today, get this. There are going to be lots of times when you are going to have to choose whether you are going to honor God or bow to the assumptions of the cultural norm around us. Are you with me? In other words, what I'm telling you is this. How many times from this pulpit have you heard me say, you better pick a team? Because what is going on now, you ain't seen nothing yet, folks. Just study that book of Revelation a little bit and see what's going to happen. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Folks, I don't know where this deal in Israel is going to go, but you better be paying attention. So we have to make our choices. And we should expect opposition from the world. And that's exactly what happened to Daniel. Let me show you something. Let's read some more. Look in verse 16. 
Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou savest, service continually, he will deliver thee. Are y'all reading between the lines here? And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, signet ring, and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Now, the law was set. The law was unbreakable. It was unbendable. The king wouldn't go back on it. And even King Darius, get this now, even King Darius did not like what was happening. But he had made this decree. And, 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 and he was bound by it and couldn't go back. So what happens? Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. And then we put this big old rock over it to make sure he couldn't get out. But what happened in that den that night? Nothing. What? Nothing. That's perfect answer. I love it. Somebody's paying attention. Amen. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. We, we don't know precisely what, what happened in that den, but perhaps the right. Did y'all keep y'all's bookmark in Hebrews? Go to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Let me show you something. This is cool, Gerald. Now remember, we're in the book of Daniel, Old Testament. We're going way over there in the book of Hebrews, New Testament. Did I tell y'all 11th chapter? I'm in 11. You got it? Okay. I just told you to put your bookmark in 12 so you'd be real close here. Okay, in 11, look in verse 32. And what shall I more say for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Japheth I know that's not right. Sharon will correct me. Of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, attained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Do you think that Hebrew writer's talking about Daniel? We don't know. But I just thought that was pretty cool that way over there, and, and by the way, if you don't know anything about 11th chapter of Hebrews, that, that's the hall of faith chapter in the Bible. Read it. You'll see what I'm talking about. But anyway, we're, we're not sure if the writer in Hebrews had Daniel in mind or not. We, maybe he did. If that's the case, maybe, maybe the lions simply had their mouths closed. But here's the thing. The next morning, they, they take that rock away. And just like Mary says, old Daniel steps out and nothing's happened. He's just like when he went in. Nothing, nothing happened whatsoever. He's in good condition. All right, let's read some more. Go to verse 21. Y'all got it? Amen. Amen. Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. May God, have, my God, has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth 
that they have not hurt me for as much as before him innocent was found in me, or innocence was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. That word hurt is wrong. In other words, said king, I haven't done one thing to you. Okay. Now, even with these words, we still don't know exactly what happened in that den. We, we just don't know. The Bible don't tell us. We don't know if this, if this angel forcibly closed the lion's mouth, if this angel made them tame and they weren't hungry, if this angel tied their mouth shut with heavenly rope. We just don't know. And we could sit and speculate all day. But we do know this. And I can tell you this beyond the shadow of a doubt. Daniel was not in that den by himself. Do you agree? He was not in that den by himself. Just like, remember, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wasn't in that fiery furnace by themselves back in chapter 3. You remember that, Carolyn? You remember that? Remember that king looked in there and he said, I believe I see four men. Why? Y'all remember the song, they would not bow, they would not bend, they would not burn? You remember that one, Joe? Google it, YouTube it. Statler Brothers version is pretty good. But he's fine. He's not by himself. So what, what, does, that, what does that assure us? Do you see it? Do you get it? We're never alone. No matter what we're going through, we're never alone. It doesn't matter how lonely we get, how desperate our circumstances are. No matter what happens around us, God has given us His Holy Spirit. And the Bible says again in the book of Hebrews, I will not leave you, nor will I forsake you. He's always there no matter what's going on, what's happening, how bad it may be. What happened in the den that night? We don't know. But I can tell you this beyond the shadow of a doubt. The presence of God was there. Right in the big middle of it. And, and the same thing will happen in any den that we find ourselves in. Now, I got to play Paul Harvey and the rest of the story. How many of y'all have cheated and looked ahead? Oh, did you really? I thought you told us to read those chapters. Did you not? No. Three and four. Three and four. I read one through six. Okay. Good for you. You get the gold star today. How many of y'all cheated and read ahead? We're studying this in Sunday school. Oh, fooey on you. Party pooper. All right. Here's Paul Harvey and the rest of the story. Look in verse 23. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him. Remember I asked you, were you ridden between the lions while ago? Darius did not want to put Daniel in that lion's den. Glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no matter of hurt was found upon him because he, was, because he believed in his God. 
And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them in the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives, and the live lions had the mastery of them, or the lions overpowered them, and break all their bones into pieces, or ever, or ever they came at the bottom of the den, or before they got to the bottom of the den, they were toast. Then King Darius wrote unto all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble, or men must tremble, and fear God, fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and steadfast forever, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth and worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth who hath delivered Daniel from the power. That word power is literally paw or hand of the lions. Wow. There's a lot of stuff right there we got to talk about. All right, here we go. I got to wrap this up. King Darius was overjoyed that Daniel was fine. And the reason for that is this. Now, I know I skipped a lot of verses, and I'm proud of you for reading chapter 6. Maybe y'all need to read those verses too that I didn't read. Because you're going to find that King Darius had grown to trust Daniel and appreciate Daniel because of his life of distinction. And he had survived. Not only had he survived, but he had survived miraculously. Not only was Darius excited that Daniel was safe, but he also realized that he had been used as a puppet in this little game by his administrators. And he didn't care for that much at all. So Darius immediately ordered all of those administrators, their kids, their family, to be thrown in the lion's den to be devoured. Our God is a God of justice. And we just saw justice executed. It was served. And it's interesting to me that justice was executed at the hands or by the hands of King Darius, the very authority that God had instituted in this land. Now, you notice Daniel never had to make his case. He never said, why are y'all throwing me in the lion's den? I have done nothing wrong. You remember when he came out of that lion's den, he said to King Darius, I have done nothing to hurt you. To wrong you. Nothing whatsoever. God took care of it. And there's a lesson here that we need to learn. And I kind of alluded to this last week. And I'm going to say it again because it's of utmost importance. We don't need to live with the idea of getting even when we're mistreated. And what is the first thing that we do nine times out of ten when we feel like we've been mistreated or done wrong? The first thing we want to do is I'm going to get even. 
I will not go to my grave until I get back at that starry staff that cheated me out of 50 cents. Well, that might be a little overdone, but you get what I'm talking about. You see, when we trust that, that, that God knows exactly what's going on, in the end, He is going to make all things right. We don't need to be stewing, trying to figure out, wasting our time, how we're going to get even. Just say, God, that sap done me wrong. Shuck him from head to toe and give him a good whoop. Why are y'all looking at me like that? When y'all was growing up, did y'all ever get a whipping? Yeah. No, you got a whooping. Yeah, whoop ass. Those times Yeah, so amen. <laughs> Let me tell you, this preacher's had many a flash water worn out on his hiney. All right, that's enough. But here's the thing now. We got to wrap this up. Justice wasn't the only thing that happened. Not only was King Darius excited, but he was also changed. Did you catch that in there? After justice was executed, Darius issued a complete reversal of the public decree, the public order that he had written. Instead of requiring everybody in the kingdom to bow down and worship him, what was a new decree? That everybody was to bow down and worship the God of Israel. The one and only true God. Think about this for a minute. Think about this. What, what did Daniel do? In this little story, what did Daniel do? It's not a loaded question, folks. He prayed. The only thing that Daniel is guilty of is he lived a life of faith. Mm -hmm. he, sure did. he was faithful. He wasn't worried when they threw him into that lion's den because he knew who was in there with him. He knew nothing was going to happen to him. He did nothing to this king but live a life of faithfulness. Now I know what you want. And then what I want you to see is because of his life of faithfulness, King Darius was changed, wrote a whole new decree that affected the whole world. Because of what? Because of one man living faithfully. So many times in our Christian walk, we want to use the excuse, well, I'm just one man. I can't do nothing by myself. Me and God and Daniel's going to poke more holes in y'all than a minute bucket. What did Daniel just do? Because he exhibited faithfulness, he made a huge impact, didn't he? He made a huge difference. I told you 
that you had to pick a team. That you're going to have to make choices. That opposition is coming. Don't think for a minute that the choice you make is of, is of little importance. Because it's not. It can have astounding provocations. Get glued down, folks. Get ready for the ride. I want to ask you one more question. In this little story, and it's fine to answer back, in this little story that we looked at today, who was the hero? God. Exactly. God was a hero. When you look at it, you say, Daniel was a hero. No, Daniel wasn't a hero. Daniel just simply lived a life of faith. God was a hero because God was the one that was accomplishing everything. Daniel was just the one who simply trusted God. When the chips are down, are you going to trust God? Are you going to remain faithful like Daniel did? I'm going to say this and we're going to quit. I don't know where you are in your life today. But maybe there is some decision, some choice in front of you right now that's going to require you to stand with courage. To do the right thing. To live a life of faithfulness. As I said a while ago, don't underestimate the impact of your choice, your decision. Why? Because God has a way of multiplying your act of faithfulness. How many times have I told y'all, do the good that you can do when you could do it? In other words, do what's right in God's eyes. And don't worry about anything else. You know what you need to do. You just do it. And let God take care of the rest. And what is right beyond anything else is that we know Jesus Christ is His Son and died for our sins. Folks, I've got to quit. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank You. I thank You for this time, this place, this message today, Father, that was given to us. Father, I just praise You for being the one and only God. And I just ask that You help each one of us Find that commitment. Find that consistency. Find that dedication in our lives. And live a life of faith like Daniel did. Father, it's so easy just to get wrapped up in our day-to-day -day affairs that we think we don't need to pray. We think we don't need to be studying Your Word. And all we're doing is missing out on a big opportunity. Father, I ask that you use each and every one of us in your service. Some way, somehow. 
Father, I ask that you forgive each one of us where we stumble and fell. And just help us to recognize that we've messed up. Repent, Father. Ask for forgiveness. And get up and just try harder to do better. Father, I thank you that we've got a church, this church, this church family, that we can come together and just spend time in your word, Father, worshiping you. Father, I just ask that you guide and direct us as we leave this place, that you continue to protect us in this very challenging time that we live, that, Father, that we can be a light in a very dark world. Once again, Father, I pray for all the the things going on in this world, especially the situation in Israel, Father. And I ask that you be with each and every one that we've got on our prayer list. There's needs there, Father. You meet those needs as only you can. One last thing, Father, before we go, I ask that you bless us with some rain that we desperately need. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.